Additive manufacturing. You've heard about it. You've wondered if 3D printing is for you. Good news, people. We're covering it on Tech Drops. Let's get into it. Welcome, everyone. Uh, you are listening to the Tech Drops podcast. We're hanging out at the TTL Makerspace right now. So it's myself, your host, Timbot, with my co-host, Brian. Right here. And on the show this week, we have another special guest that we brought in, Kyle. Hello. So... For introduction, because um, we always try to give a little bit of an introduction to our guest on the show, mm-hmm. I will mention uh, that Kyle is kind of the 3D printing expert in the makerspace. He runs the uh, programs for training in 3D printing, which uh, sounds like super easy to me because basically you just plug in your thing you want and you hit a button. And then uh, the printer does all the work and makes you the thing exactly the way that you wanted it. Yeah, like first time, no problem. Every time, first time, yep. without yeah. exception. So that's the expectations we can have, Kyle. We can just that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Capital no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now I'll give my horror story of getting started in three D printing. Um, I can sum it up pretty quickly. Did not know what I was doing, and pitched a big project. That involved like 4,000 prints, thinking you just plug it in and hit the button. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with like first generation MakerBots. Oh. Ah. And um, yeah, it, uh, it didn't go great. Um, it was like 24 hour monitoring nonstop for the duration of the project. And uh, yeah, if we didn't produce them, we weren't going to get paid. So we just had to make it happen one way or another. Wow. Um, Real, real plunge into all the problems that you can hit with 3D printers. Now, that said, why are, uh, you know, we're touching on the problems. Why are 3D printers fun, Kyle? Why are you into them? Do you just, like, like to torture yourself or or what? Yeah, exactly. No. Um, (laughs) I I like 3D printing because I can basically make whatever I want. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a strong Um, appeal. Yeah, it is. It is a strong appeal, but uh, and obviously that comes with limitations, right? They have to be things made of plastic, but that plastic, I can I can make that plastic uh, sparkly or flexible or whatever. You're not super limited by materials. Um, if you have a big enough printer, you can print really crazy, large, awesome sculptures or like parts for cosplay or props or if you love electronics, cases for things, mm, um, yeah. that's a super popular one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can 3D print 3D printers if you want. There's an endless amount of possibilities. Um, and I've been doing this for coming on three years now, and I still haven't run out of things to print. So it's it's it, a very fun hobby, a very fun thing to do. You are resilient, because uh, I've personally found 3D printers to have um, a bunch of unexpected problems that come from my lack of awareness about how they really work, like the the mechanisms, like the the importance of temperatures on, let's say, a bed that needs to be heated, or um, the alignment of certain x y axes. Like that, those, it's always thrown me off, and I've had a print that dies halfway through. Yeah, I was really lucky when I got started because I got to work with a super cool guy named Adam who taught me a lot about maintenance and taking care of printers when I use them, uh, how to keep them healthy and happy and 
keep them being your friend. Um, <laughs> Get a little creepy. They're, they're <laughs> nice to them. They are sentient. They, and like, I hear their voices in my mind. Just constantly. like any other machine, you have to treat it with a certain amount of respect and you have to know how to, if you do something to it, uh, that might not turn out super good. If you run, a, say, like a material that runs at a higher temperature, what are the bad side effects of that? What happens if it gets jammed and you need to unjam it? Or um, looking at the space we're in right now, what happens if it gets dusty and yeah. that, the dust gets in the nozzle? Mm. Or um, sometimes you have to clean your bed. Why is your print not sticking? There's a lot of troubleshooting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's so, so handy to have somebody who knows what they're talking about walking you through a lot of that stuff when you're getting started. Oh, yeah. Because how do you even search? In the beginning, you don't know what the language yeah, is. Back yeah. then, like the even even three years ago, there was such a small amount of documentation on this stuff. It was forums and like community pages and Facebook groups and stuff like that. Now there's hundreds of YouTube videos yeah. talking about getting started with 3D printing. But even that can be bewildering. Absolutely. Like there's a ton of information, but a lot of it is out of date because the stuff has progressed so fast. Like I think we're at what, uh, like fourth generation now, basically for if 3D If you look printing. at like, say MakerBot, fourth generation, yeah, it's yeah. pretty reasonable. Um, and MakerBot's big, a pretty good standard for yeah, like for tracking the history. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and Another big problem with a lot of that content and that um, sort of way of finding information is they use a lot of jargon and mm. stuff a lot of people don't always pick up right away. Um, True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you say that 3D printing is kind of like to me, it's still kind of in the realm of the DIY hobbyist type of person, like somebody who's not afraid to get in there and tinker with it a bit, um, you know, who, who might. Like somebody who's capable or dare I say even happy to put a kit together oh. when they get a printer is probably a good target. Absolutely. It's, uh, there's very much two sides. Um, there's tinkerers and people who like the hobbyists who like taking things apart, putting them back together, seeing how things work, putting a bit of time into their machine. And then on the complete opposite of that is the manufacturers, the people who work in big shops and want a machine that just gets the job done. Mm, and those yeah. machines are not at all the same. You're, they're like industrial? Industrial machines, yeah. right? Things that are using uh, metal or uh, super strong materials. Mm. Um, those, it's just not even the, the, the same type of printer. Let's talk about exotic materials. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Because uh, like you've shown me some crazy stuff. Um, I saw a filament that is uh, kind of like wood. Yeah. Like it comes out with wood. It can be stained and sanded and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, wood like fill. That's pretty remarkable. Um, there was like an algae-based yeah. filament, I think. I mean, I gotta. There is, yeah. I gotta <laughs> imagine that's gonna smell pretty funky. Uh, I have not tried that. They but made I, it, I but why? It. Could you eat it? I don't know. Like yeah, I, 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 I just. What about edible? 3D printing, like that's a thing, right? It is a thing, is yeah. Um, so uh, what you're talking about is um, composites. Ah. Uh, th that's the, the big sort of catch-all term for that. Whether it's wood fill, my favorite wood fill, uh, by the way, is uh, this one that comes out just after Christmas every year. 
and it's called Last Year's Christmas Tree. <laughs> and it's by a fantastic company <laughs> called Protopasta, who I love. And they grind up their Christmas tree from the previous year into very fine sawdust and then put that into their plastic. That's um, awesome. But the idea of a composite is you're taking sawdust or powders of, say, metal, uh, for instance, um, or carbon fiber or uh, mm. nylons and things like that putting a small amount of it into that plastic and you get some of the properties. So if it's a metal, uh, like iron, you might be able to make it uh, um, magnetic. Or if it's stainless steel, you can polish it really nicely. Mm. Or rust it. Rust it, yeah, for a very, very nice vintage look. Um, If it's wood, you can actually uh, stain it. Um, It takes a stain really well. If it's something like carbon fiber or nylon, you get a bit of its uh, the strength from those um, those uh, things being put into mm. it. But isn't there, um, uh, you were telling me before that if you're using composites like that, like sometimes you might have to do some modifications Absolutely, to your machine, yeah. like in order to not wear out parts or um, like if it's a flexible filament, you might have to change the way that it's fed through the machine, some things yeah. like that. Well, if you think about uh, metal, uh, a Metal is a fairly abrasive substance. Metal rubbing against metal is going to peel bits of it away. Um, So if you're printing out of a brass nozzle, which is a pretty soft metal, um, and you're running something that's like steel through it, it's going to abrade that and tear, uh, ruin your nozzle very quickly. So why brass? Why why are they using brass? Because it's a very, very good um, conductor of heat. Okay. Yeah. Science. Yeah. So if yes. you're if that you're printing that checks out. Yeah. yeah. Right. If yeah. you're printing really really strong materials or things that are abrasive, you want to switch to, say, a stainless uh, steel or a, a hardened steel nozzle. Um, or if you really want to go out on a limb, you can get things like a ruby nozzle, uh, which has a very very small ruby on the end with a hole drilled through it, hmm. because a ruby is much stronger than anything you can run through it. It'll last forever. So do you find that some printers are better for doing those kind of modifications? Yeah. Uh, If you're getting a printer from China, uh, you're not necessarily going to find compatible parts, um, or the company might not offer compatible uh, compatible parts in those special materials or uh, with those special uh, circumstances um, in mind. hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So then, um, like, I don't know, is, is there, like, Let's let's talk about like Kyle's recommendations for a printer. Um, I feel like you have personal favorites. Oh, uh, maybe you'd like to give a shout out for them. Of course, yeah. My my personal favorite has to be Prusa's. Surprising. Uh, surprising, right? Um, <laughs> it's. A- I say as I look at your <laughs> custom modded sparkly blue Prusa right now. <laughs> um, yeah, they're an amazing company. Um, they're based in Prague. Uh, they sort of, I, I don't know the full history of them, but uh, they were very, very early into the whole maker scene um, with 3D printing. They were one of the f- uh, very, very good first original um, kit printers. Um, they've essentially been the best printer um, and I don't say that lightly. They've literally been given best 3D printer um, awards for like three years in a row now. Hmm. Um, 
by different um, magazines and blogs. Uh, they've gotten multiple from some blogs in one year. What makes them so good? They, they're based on uh, common, um, gen- like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, standardized parts. Uh, their nozzle is from a company called E3D. Um, they supply nozzles for hundreds of other printers. Um, so it's standardized. You can use that nozzle with a Lulzbot, for example, or a Ultimaker or something like that. Um, their motors are reliable. They constantly improve the, their design every single generation. They take user feedback. Um, every time they release a new printer, they go, what can we improve about the last printer that we released? So, for example, with their Mark III version, the most recent one, um, they said, okay, what was our Mark II missing? Uh, say a uh, magnetic bed. Mm. Magnetic beds are great. You can take it off, put it on, change them out if you have multiple, keep them clean. Um, and let's make it out of something really special, like spring steel, so you can flex your bed and pop parts off easier. So you're not scraping at it with a chisel or something. Also make it look cool. Makes it look cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then they said, okay, well, we can have different types of beds. We can have a traditional uh, metal plate, or we could put a metal p- plate with a uh, powder coat on it. Mm. So it grips parts a lot better. Um, so they think outside of the box a lot, and they try to problem solve a lot of even the little tiny issues they're constantly improving on. So, so here's the thing. When I hear like constant improvement... Uh, innovation, um, printer of the year, and, you know, terms like this. I, I just hear, like, expensive, <laughs> expensive, lots yeah. of money. All your money. Right. Expensive. Yeah. Spend it all on um, this. Is, is that the case here, Kyle? Like, uh, it's not so much. Um, what's, what's really special about them as well is they aren't trying to um, oversell their mm-hmm. printers. They're not saying we made this fantastic printer, pay $3,000 for it. Like some companes do. They're saying Ultimaker. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> They're saying we made this really, really There goes special- our chance of sponsorship. <laughs> right. I just blew it right there. We're just kidding. <laughs> Send us anything. <laughs> Prove us wrong. We'll, we'll change our tune. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, they, they're going, we made this spectacular printer that's able to compete with all of these $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 printers, and we're going to price it lower than all of them at 700 bucks for a kit, 1000 bucks for an assembled one. It's a very, very reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And then, like, a lot of it is, you know, getting used to the machine. No matter which machine you get, it's mm-hmm. going to be a process of learning. Yeah, and if you go out on and buy... A, a super cheap printer, you run into a lot of issues with software and maybe the company's using something that wasn't necessarily made for that printer. Um, you, you see that a lot with Chinese printers where they uh, are based on software or firmware that they didn't develop. Like CorelDRAW? Right, and that oh, either they didn't develop Man. or they haven't even tried to modify or improve for their printer. Um, so you can build the whole thing fine, but there's no guarantee it'll work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's um, let's talk about software. Like, what's mm-hmm. the, what's the process here? So you know, we've talked about the printer and some of the options and features and things that you want to know about the printer. But um, you know, what makes a software good for three D printing? Like, yeah. first of all, like, what kind of software are you going to be using? Yeah, um, there's there's two types of software. Um, 
there's uh, modeling software, like standard CAM software, um, or CAD software, sorry, um, design software. Um, and that could be, I've seen people use Photoshop 3D modeling, mm -hmm. like the weirdest, oh, really? absolutely, yeah. Lame. You can do 3D modeling <laughs> in Photoshop, who knew? Um, and you can 3D print that. Interesting. Um, and I've seen people go out and do like professional 3D scanning and using like these super high-end, um, crazy complicated machines. Hmm. Um, but anything in between, whether you're like an AutoCAD person or you're just learning and you're using something like Tinkercad. Tinkercad, um, yeah. Amazing software. It's free. It's online. It's super handy for kids. It's Surprisingly all... Surprisingly good. Yeah. People have... There's a guy, um, actually, who was just at the a, a recent um, 3D printing um, festival. I'm not sure uh, which one um, it was. Wait, I missed 3D printing festival? 3D what? printing festival. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a Again? few. Um, there's... Uh, I guess I wasn't nominated for anything. <laughs> there's, there's a few. So there's um, the, the one called Murph, which is the Midwest uh, Rep Rap um, Festival, and Rep uh, Rap, Rep the Rap. So the original yeah. OG the printer OGs, guys, the people who making created printers. the software that every printer basically that we use Wild. now relies on. Wow, um, cool. As a uh, as a group, that was that was open source. Um, it was not one guy or one company developing it and then selling it. It was a whole community putting this stuff together and then distributing it for free so everyone could benefit from it. Mm. Um, the best kind of open source project, in my opinion, yeah. really. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the software is not. Yeah. Um, so, like I was saying with Tinkercad, there's a, um, actually, uh, he didn't use Tinkercad, he used Microsoft 3D Builder, um, mm. it, uh, which is like the Windows 10 stock 3D modeling thing. Um, and it's, more basic than Tinkercad. It is like you have a cube and a circle or a sphere, right? And you can put them together. Um, and he actually designed an entire 3D printer in that. No. Um, and what? not just a standard 3D printer. It's a crazy, it's a belt printer. So instead of having a flat sheet that you're printing on, it's a continuously rotating belt. What? Um, yeah. So you can e make endless prints like Man. that. Yeah, it just prints forever. steal the creativity from some Crazy people. guy. Um, Tinkercad you know? though, online free fantastic for kids i love it that's um, wild that's so cool yeah and my my personal software of choice is fusion 360 by fusion. autodesk yeah. um it's also free you can sign up as an educator or a teacher uh, or maker or hobbyist pretty much anything and you get it for free um which is a to be honest like a pretty big change of direction for autodesk yeah Free is not really being in their vocabulary. Especially for um, a piece of software that is actually quite competent and able to compete with things like... Um, it, well, like, it's got CAM built like, in, has so cam that's putting it in, in the same you know boat with SolidWorks. SolidWorks, so, that's right. the one, yeah. Like, um, but it doesn't just are, have CAM, it has simulations. Right. Um, cloud simulations, Assemblies. stress simulations, assembly. Uh, whether If you're making like sheet metal parts or mm -hmm. um stuff like that Ooh, and the newest craze generative Ooh. generative oh how yeah. would i forget that yeah, um we should chat about i that. yeah i'm you just to uh speed with that uh right? I'm, I'm nodding I'm as if i am but i'm like yeah you know, this is you know where i learned so like let's hear about this i just tried that out for the first time <laughs> like two weeks ago yeah how would you um, what, what is it generative um design at least what uh fusion 360 allows is um, running a simulation on essentially the most basic and primitive um, part of a, of a shape. 
So say you're making a wall bracket for a shelf, you're essentially just have a box and then where it mounts to the wall. Um, it runs a simulation and figures out where the stress points are, and it will fill in the entire structure for you. And same material. In the same material, in um, whatever uh, density you want to support the load you need, um, it'll create all the, the, the body, the, it'll create the entire 3D model for you. Wow. It maybe do- doesn't get aesthetics. No, it doesn't understand the <laughs> So it might use a blob instead, it's, yeah, like, instead of yeah, like... It's very much... It like very alien animated. Yeah, nice. it's very much a guideline. Um, you don't necessarily use it to create your final model. You use it to create um, an idea of what of where... Uh, when you go in 3D model it, where your supports and your struts and your connectors need to be. Honestly, it's very cool. It's That's very cool. Super helpful. Yeah, yeah like it, this is an area where... Um, you know, this kind of machine learning has a real application, mm-hmm. yeah. I think. And to get that in a free software package is mind-blowing. Yeah, the simulations take like an hour um, to run through and do all the simulations and do all the processing and come out, pop out that final 3D model. But if you, there's no other free option that I've found for that. It's it's very very powerful. And get used to it because your print's gonna take like nine hours. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, in the grand scheme of things, yeah. it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I mean, like to that to that point, this is not a tool for like production. No, um, this um, is like this is prototyping. This is making a yeah. unique one-off. Prototyping, one-off, small scale, um, very small batch production. If you really want to. Um, some people use it for like, if they're just making a cut like keychains for an event is a very nice little, um, uh, 3d printing project or something. You can print out a hundred of them, um, over like a few days. But if you're a company that's selling a product, this is not a way to go. It's no. very much a prototyping, come up, creating your design, creating your final part. And then you send that off to get, uh, made in a process like, uh, injection molding or like vacuum forming mm. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, a little while ago, we talked to um, Jen from the Dangerous Ladies mm-hmm. cosplay group. And uh, so they basically use 3D printing. Well, they use it quite a lot, actually, to design the prototypes that they'll use for molding. So they'll create um, casts uh, with them. And then they use that for their production. So if they need to do like 100 or 200 of a sword or something like that, the original is probably going to be 3D printed. Yeah. But then after that, it's all going to be resin casting. Yeah. And they do a lot of um, finishing work on that, a lot of sanding and priming and sanding and priming and filling with little with Bondo and spot putties and stuff mm-hmm. like that Yeah. Um, to get a perfect looking final piece. And then they can go and cast that um, and make uh, hundreds of duplicates um, but it all started with that one 3D printed master. Yeah. Um, it's a very, very good workflow. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the things that, they, that they're creating or like that you would create in general with the printer are going to be things that would be extremely difficult to make by any other process. Yeah. Like, it, it's crazy, but like just, you know, designing a box that fits a, a circuit board mm-hmm. exactly, that would be so hard to do. With any other method, like, you could do it, but, man, it's going to be very, very difficult. One of my current projects right now um, is designing a cap for 
uh, a little little plastic cap that's able to hold a circuit board in place, um, and it needs to have uh, holes for bolts to hold things in place. It needs to have um, all these different like mounting holes, and um, it's a very very complicated little piece that if I was to make it without 3D printing and 3D modeling. Even if I was to make it with 3D modeling, I'd have to outsource the production. And if I was to make it without 3D modeling, it wouldn't be able to stand up to what I need it to be able to stand up to. This is a piece that kids are going to be interacting with. Mm. And we can't be making things like that out of super bent, easy to break materials. Uh, it's tough to do the machining if you were to do it on a lathe or um, on a uh, mill or something like that. It's significantly more and complicated. It's not going to sit on your desktop. Exactly. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Right? Um, it's not an easy way. There's no other easy way to make that part. Yeah. Um, so having 3D printing has allowed me to prototype it uh, and put a lot of thought in, um, into it. And I'm able to take it into meetings, uh, present it, uh, get feedback, get changes that I need to make, print another one uh, for the next time I go into a meeting. Hmm. Yeah. And once we have a final design, we can then send that off and get it injection molded if we need to or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We had a case um, not that long ago. Um, gentleman came in on community night. He had a microphone. Um, yeah. It's basically, uh, they, they call it a blimp. It's basically like a, you know what I'm talking about, Brian. It's basically a, a microphone with this uh, blimp shield on it to protect it from wind and so forth. Great microphone, um, good quality, but he wasn't going to be able to use it anymore because the case of the blimp was broken. The company had moved on to a new version of the thing, so yeah. he couldn't get a part for it. And, um, you know, he would have had to, like, reinvest in a whole other microphone and blimp just to... You know, for no reason, really. Yeah, and it was and this plastic part, um, little coupling part, that it, it was it was a, it was made of plastic. Yeah. It's perfect part to be three D printed. We had the broken pieces. We were able to get measurements off of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it basically did it in, uh, while he was waiting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was a quick <laughs> one. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We measured it up, and you know, he just kind of hung out in the space for a while and checked out how it was working and everything and i think he used fusion for that right yeah we used fusion we got it done in about an hour yeah um and after after i had left um i'm not sure who else took on that project after that but um he also proposed what if we instead of just having recreating the same piece what if we were able to create a piece for the other side as well and make them thread together mm. um so if he broke another one he wouldn't have to reprint and re-glue and all this stuff he could just print a new one, take the old one off, pop the new one on, and thre uh, have yeah. those uh, those threads to hold it in place. Dang. Neat. That's like four-dimensional design where you just see every step all at once. Yeah, you know? take this broken thing um, and turn it into something that's not just able to do what it did before, but also yeah. if like it breaks again, you're broke. ready for it, Let's you know? Yeah. improve it. Exactly. Improve yeah. the design, make it better than it was. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a super cool, super cool. Yeah. So we talked about the, well, not... I guess we didn't talk about the high end of 3D printing because, no. you know, who's going to do that? <laughs> but we talked about like the very good end of 3D printing, like where you're probably getting your most value from. Mm -hmm. But if you had to, you know, for like for people who want to get into it, um, don't want to spend a lot of cash. Do you have a preference of a printer that you would reach for that is like 
Not a Prusa. Not a Prusa. And uh, like less than a Prusa. <laughs> all right. I'm going to give you a budget. Yeah. Let's say I, I only have like 600 bucks to spend. 600 bucks. Yeah. Okay. What do I do? Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out with something um, no, a little bit bucks. away from what your 500 question bucks. is. 500 bucks? Okay. Yeah. My first thing that I'm going to say. Oh, no. <laughs> you're really pushing it now, Tim. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, 500 <laughs> um, bucks. Let's say 500 bucks. The first thing I'm going to say on that, of course, uh, the first thing I'm going to say on that is um, before you even think about getting a printer, look around your community and see if libraries have them. Mm. Um, at least here in Toronto, uh, a lot of public libraries are getting access to 3D printers. Makerspaces have them. Try them out. See if they're a thing that you want to use. If you like it, um, my very uh, new uh, printers I've been playing around with here at the tool library, at least. Um, they're amazing. They're $300 on Amazon. Um, oh, dude. $300? I could have gone Crazy. Lower. Yeah, right? you could have. You could have. You're, you're just joking um, around, but you actually could have. I was going to keep the extra 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, where does he get money? <laughs> they're the uh, Ender 3s from Creality. Uh, it's a Chinese company. Um, I know I've said a couple times on this show, like, ooh, Chinese 3D printers, uh, as if they're a bad thing. But um, Creality has been a very, very good company um, in the 3D printing community. They've been pretty responsible and um, they've had a couple uh, disagreements with the community um, in terms of like open source software and stuff like that. But they were able to keep everyone happy, which is nice. Mm. Um, they have listened to the community a lot which is something that i really respected from prusa as well um and they've been able to create printers that are not only super reliable uh but are easy to use um and even easier to put together mm. um we put three of them together in what like two and a half hours or something like that yeah um, and they were printing right after that they were printing first print worked benchy time benchy of course the, <laughs> the classic yeah. Always got to be the first print, the classic 3D Benchy. Uh, Want to quickly describe what that is? For yeah. The, yeah. Um, the 3D Benchy is my uh, all-time probably favorite 3D model. I have hundreds of them probably by now. Uh, no, not that many. But um, it's a little tugboat. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, why would you print that? But there's a very good reason. Um, the name Benchy uh, actually stands for benchmark. Um, and the same way... People who love computers benchmark their computers to see how well they perform. Um, the Benchy does the same thing for 3D printers. It has overhangs and it has curves and it has holes going through it. And mm. it has all of these fantastic different surfaces which tell you how well your printer's performing. Um, so, so if something's a little off, you could tune yeah, it. Yeah, you can, like, if you, if you really sort of get how it works and you read through their documentation for it, you see that there's curling on the um, bottom uh, front surface. Um, and you know that your temperature is probably, uh, your temperature control is not right. So either it's cooling too fast or uh, too slow, or you have your printer running too hot. Um, you're able to diagnose a lot of these problems by looking at it and sort of seeing how well it printed. Um, and what was really interesting, I thought Chinese printers never used them before. They're going to need a bit of tuning. They're going to need some prep time and they're not going to be going perfectly first try. But they produced, uh, each, all three of them produced a near-perfect Benchy yeah. um, using the default settings, using it just out of the box as soon as it had been put together. It was 
very, very beautiful. Um, it's karma, basically. Right. Uh, what it comes down to. Yeah. When you're good people, printers work for you. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> the printers the benchy, know. The Benchy has spoken. <laughs> the Benchy overlords. Uh, yeah. Um, and what's, what's really great is um, I know if something had gone wrong, um, there's fantastic resources out there, not necessarily from the company. Um, a lot of Chinese companies have trouble with documentation just because yeah, yeah. as a Canadian, say that again. I don't yeah. speak Chinese or whatever language I mean, kudos to them. They, they speak more of English than I speak of Chinese. <laughs> it's true. Sure, um, but uh, their documentation tends to be either non-existent or um, a bit lackluster. Um, don't you want to go there though, guys? A little bit. I kind of yeah. want to go there. I want to <laughs> see Shenzhen. I want to see where these printers you know? get made. I want to see like these crazy factories. Yeah, yeah. How that's all working. Um, I, I probably want to see some temples and. I have a very, I have a very interesting after uh, the three D printer factory. Too. Um, no, but uh, what's <laughs> fantastic is again the community. Um, these printers have a huge community behind them. Um, mm-hmm. Facebook groups are huge in three D printing. Um, there are dozens of Ender 3 Facebook groups and Creality Facebook groups. And any problem that you have, somebody's had before and somebody fig- else has figured out how to solve it. Mm. Um, yeah. So there's amazing resources out there. And most of that falls back on just the fantastic printing community. Nice. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, like... It was kind of expected a few years ago that 3D printing was just going to go totally mainstream. Mm-hmm. I, I do feel kind of like MakerBot was at the heart of that. They um, tried. They were, they were pushing very hard for that. It, I don't think it's really gone mainstream. It's definitely in the mainstream awareness, though. Um, I don't know if you guys ever noticed like how often... 3D printing finds its way into like science fiction films, um, that kind of thing. Well, the classic like, is it's almost always, assumed that we're we're all just going to be 3D printing. Yeah, stuff. the yeah, classic is, is always the replicator from Star Trek. Or, right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. That's MakerBot got so, their name yeah. from that. The MakerBot replicator. What? Right. Yep. Like mind blown. <laughs> I never um, put that together. <laughs> <laughs> the replicator from Star Trek, and or like uh, there's tons of um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what, though, my one of my favorite things that I noticed, um, which I found really funny, and I pointed out to my friend when, after we, we got out of the movie theater, um, and he was like, oh, that's so random and boring. Why would you, why did you notice that? Um, but in, uh, in the last two um, Marvel movies, um, uh, Endgame and uh, Infinity War, uh, in the S.H.I.E.L.D. lab, uh, for anyone who has watched the movies and knows what I'm talking about, uh, they actually have a bunch of 3D printers. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at them, I was like, I know what that is, I know what that is, and that's like a Form Labs form too. And, um, it, I, it just was this little like behind the scenes like random part they just put in there to look cool, but like it actually was really interesting for me because I'm like, oh, that's how Iron Man is like prototyping these new suits and things like that, yeah. right? Form Labs, yeah. You know, yeah, he's do. using. $3,000 resin printers and all of this, like... <laughs> he can definitely afford more than one. Right, yeah. Alien um, filaments. Yeah, what movie did the first 3D printer actually get filmed in, do you think? Oh. 
I actually know the answer. Oh, I don't know the answer. Well, one that featured a real 3D printer. I couldn't find the model that it was, but it was in Jurassic Park 3. Really? Um, a big part of the plot of that movie, um, I'm going to give some spoilers because a lot of people don't like that movie. I've never but seen it. They uh, 3D print the uh, resonator box of a Velociraptor. Oh. They had 3D modeled it. This is in 2001, and they actually showed the, the print finishing up, and he blows the filament kind of... It was kind of one of those uh, kind of... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yep. I have another one. <laughs> okay. I'm going to challenge this this finding. Okay. Um, but but continue. Okay. So, yeah, they've 3D printed a resonator box, and uh, later in the movie, he's able to uh, blow into it and simulate the calls of a velociraptor and wow. communicate with real raptors. Big spoiler. That's um, very cool. <laughs> but check that one out. I like that movie. But, yeah, they actually showed it on screen, and it uh, it was an example on the internet of the fir- one of the f- maybe potentially just one of the first. I absolutely will check that Extra out purely to see that. Because of it being a raptor? Yeah. But I would suggest, let me put this in front of the group, mm-hmm. the fifth element, do they not 3D print Mila Hovovich? Right. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, in a way. <laughs> but that was a CGI-generated sequence, uh-huh. whereas this is this was an actual printer being oh. featured, you know? Oh, really? It wasn't like an oh, imaginary... Right. Okay, okay, okay. It was like, okay. hey, this exists. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Still, Mila. But, yeah, Mila, really uh, the, the technology... But Raptor... And Raptor... Raptor uh, don't make me choose don't make me choose Mila Hovovich and Raptor. Between the fifth element That's, to save the soul. Don't tear me apart like that. <laughs> so what I'm curious now is, can we 3D print... A raptor resonator oh, box. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That'd be a cool whistle, if anything. I wonder if oh, it's on wow. Thingiverse. Oh man, oh, man. Yeah, like somebody go to the replica prop forum. Yeah, RPF and trace down a model that someone. It's funny. There's no computers in front of any of us. Like we could be looking this up. We could. This oh. is literally the only time I don't have a computer. In front we're of so us. engaged in the audio yeah. element that we're just we're talking making like eye humans. contact and talking wow. like humans. This is so weird. Yeah. But, but let's. I'll look into that. I'll see if I can get us some resonator printer box. Uh, that's a cool. Uh, yeah. That is a cool fact. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious about that. When did that come out? I can't out? remember which which. That was 2001. That was 2001. Yeah, okay. it wasn't great. They go back to the island. It's William H Macy, Sam Neill, and it was like huge flop. People hated it. <laughs> Super cheesy. Hmm. Still better than Jurassic Park Five. I'm a huge JP. Fanatics, so I'll pretty much try to work it into every podcast. But nice. this is, seems to be the first time I've done this successfully. You and were, it will be you back. You were cutting a dinosaur. I did. Uh, yeah, the, um, what's that? What's that one? What's the, the one from um, the Chrome. Um, no internet connection. No internet connection oh. game, yeah. yeah the most popular dino <laughs> at the moment. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, we've covered all the bases there, guys. Uh, I feel like, yeah, we did a good job on this one. Yeah, Kyle, um, hats it's off all to your, Kyle. your yeah, delivery. Really got to thank you on that, You're a great Kyle. teacher, man. Yeah, thanks Being, for having uh, me. Greatly looking forward to getting you on the show. And um, this is the point where I give a reminder to everybody who's listening that if you'd like to be part of the show and you have the Anchor application on your phone, there's a button you can hit there where you can just uh, do a call in. So if you've got a question for us, if you you know heard something about 3D printing and you want a clarification, uh, we can get Kyle back on the show for answering a question like that. Um, I'll also mention that uh, Kyle, as I mentioned, is kind of the 
uh, in-house instructor for 3D printing at the Toronto Tool Library in the Makerspace. He does classes a couple of times a month, is it, Kyle, now? Two times a month right now, first and uh, third awesome. Sunday of every month. Awesome. I would legitimately recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do yourself a favor. Avoid the frustration of disappointment. You know, if you've just got a printer or you have access to a printer, or you just want to try one out, get a little bit of instruction. Don't do what I did. Uh, you know, ruin yourself trying to figure this stuff out. Just trying to learn how to speak Raptor. Just don't <laughs> yeah. suffer for it. Yeah. <laughs> just learn yeah. from Kyle. Yeah, it's a good time. You're going to meet some other people who um, uh, are in the maker space and, uh, you know, just have a, a great old time 3D printing some stuff. So uh, get in on that. Look for that at the uh, torontotoollibrary.com and you'll find an event listing there that has all the courses. 3D printing is one of them. You're also going to find things like, um, you know, introduction to CNC milling. You're going to find classes on lathe. You're going to find the eight-week intensive workshop. You're going to find vinyl cutting. There's so many cool things. Like you really just can keep learning all the time here. More every week. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's it's totally great. It's a good scene. So we'll wind it up there, and uh, next week uh, we will look forward to the next episode. Hopefully, I'll come back and check us out. Uh, don't forget that you can subscribe on whatever software that you are using for listening to podcasts. And um, if you have another one that you'd like us to add, let us know, and we'll look into adding that on as well. So for us at Tech Drops, thank you very much, folks. We'll catch you in the next one.